Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Sunday, the 3rd of April, 2022, the 2nd of Nissan 5782, coming to you on this Sunday from Gush Etzion, just south of Jerusalem, in the hills of Judea. I hope you are well, hope you are safe in your part of the world. Since we have spoken last, around two weeks ago, and I'll explain why I missed last Monday's show, a lot has gone on here in Israel, unfortunately. 11 Israelis murdered in three different attacks, many other attacks taking place as well on a daily basis. An attack here in Gush Etzion, where I live, very close to where I live, an Arab terrorist getting on a bus and stabbing a passenger with a screwdriver, seriously wounding him. A lot going on here. And a lot of people calling this a wave of terror. Not really sure how I feel about that expression, wave of terror. But it is true. I mean, I've been here in Israel now for 20 years. There have been times like 2002 during the, we'll call it the Oslo War. Some call it the Second Intifada. Where buses were being blown up on a daily basis. Israelis were being murdered. Jews were being murdered on a daily basis. And there have been upswings in the violence. There have been extremely scary times. And this is one of them, it seems to be, at this juncture. Let's not forget that terrorism takes place here on a daily basis, especially on the roads in Judea and Samaria, via rocks and firebombs, Molotov cocktails being thrown by some of our Arab neighbors here in Judea and Samaria. So that hasn't stopped. That hasn't changed but now we've seen three murderous attacks in the name of jihad carried out in Beersheba, in Hadera, and in B'nai Brak. So we're going to get to that. And, and of course, all the latest news from Israel. Just wanted to let you know I was not around on Monday. I was actually riding through the hills of northern Israel on a bicycle for the Gears organization, which does amazing work to assist children going through a lot, including post-traumatic stress disorder, ADD, and all sorts of other issues. And they do, Gears does an amazing job. So I was riding around raising money for this cause. And as that was happening, we had the attack in Hadera and then the following day in B'nai Brak. So the last, so again, since the last time we spoke, a lot, a lot happening here in Israel. Over the weekend, we'll get to the front page of today's Jerusalem Post. Again, remember, I'm recording here on Sunday. Hopefully everything will be quiet by the time you're actually listening to this broadcast. Please, God. Security forces are working around the clock to prevent further terror attacks. This according to Prime Minister Naftali Bennett. He made his comments on Saturday night after a another major, potentially major terror attack was thwarted when border police and special forces took out an Arab terrorist cell in the town of Janine. Four border police officers were wounded in the operation by the counterterrorism unit, the army involved as well. There was one serious injury. One of our troops or counterterror security personnel was seriously injured. And I'm getting reports this afternoon that he is actually doing a little bit better now. He's in stable condition after undergoing surgery. Of course, we, we don't know his name because he's in a special unit. But, but that is positive. A positive development is he is 
recuperating and please God, he will have a speedy recovery and a complete recovery. But the, but the good news is here that three just evil individuals, three evil people on their way to carry out a terror attack sometime between Friday and Saturday somewhere in Israel. I'm sure we'll have more details as they are revealed. This terror cell of three individuals taken out and I believe a fourth person arrested. As explained by Prime Minister Naftali Bennett over Shabbat, the Shin Bet, Israeli Security Agency, the police, Israel National Counterterrorism Unit, and the IDF foiled a ticking bomb, Bennett said. However, we are certainly assuming that there will be many more attempts, and we are currently working to thwart them. Our people are acting with courage around the clock in a hostile and violent environment. And there are certainly a lot of security personnel, police, army, border police and whatnot deployed throughout Israel right now, trying to keep everyone safe as we are approaching the Passover holiday. Today, actually, the first full day of Ramadan, supposed to be a time of peace and reflection. And unfortunately, there are many elements within Palestinian Authority society, within Hamas society, who don't believe it's time for that, for peace and reflection, and they believe it's time to try to murder Jews, murder Israelis, murder people here in the land of Israel. Turning back to those three terrorists who were taken out, uh, they were responsible, according to this report, for previous terror attacks against Israeli security forces. Intelligence determined that they were on their way to carry out another large-scale attack and again, defined by the Shin Bet Israeli Security Service as ticking time bombs. So thank God this attack was thwarted. And please God, every other attempted attack from here on out will be thwarted in this current round of terror. Hamas, I saw an image actually of Hamas. I believe it was Islamic Jihad and the Palestinian Authority's Fatah in Gaza all gathering around the microphones, dressed in their military garb with their heads covered, speaking to the Arab and Muslim world, united as one front, of course, against Israel. On a day-to-day -day basis, they can't stand each other, most of these terror organizations. But when it comes to Israel, they are certainly united in their hate and their willingness to carry out these attacks and their, their attempt to destroy the state of Israel. That's their ultimate goal. So I saw that image from Gaza. Who knows? Will they fire rockets? Who knows what they have in mind? But please, God, again, I can't stress enough how important it is that our civilians and our security forces remain safe. IDF spokesperson Brigadier General Ron Kochav told Ynet that the IDF is ready for any possible escalation amid the ongoing wave of terrorism in recent days, as well as the Muslim holiday month of Ramadan, along with Passover and Eastern. This according to the IDF spokesperson. He said that the IDF is even prepared for a second operation, Guardian of the Walls. Of course, that was the military operation, the name of the military operation in May 2021, less than a year ago, about 11 months ago, when Hamas and the terror gangs in Gaza started launching, once again, launching rockets at Israel, and Israel responded accordingly. Kochav said, quote, we are looking at Gaza, Lebanon, Syria, and even Sinai. Of course, in Sinai, which belongs to Egypt at this point, you have potentially 
potentially have ISIS terrorists roaming in Sinai. So Israel carefully monitoring all the borders and all of the PA-controlled towns in Judea and Samaria. Kochav said, we are operating far and wide and have deployed our air defense systems. The Gaza division is prepared to defend on the ground. We will continue to thwart attacks and act with determination, creativity, and all that is necessary. So a potential, he's alluding here to a potential second Operation Guardian of the Walls, perhaps if Hamas decides to get involved via rocket fire. And please God, they won't. But if they do, IDF ready for all scenarios. At the same time, Times of Israel says the police arrested four Arabs during clashes on Saturday night at the Damascus Gate, known as Shar Shem, or actually I should say Shar Shem, known as the Damascus Gate in English, to be clear, of Jerusalem's old city in a tense first night of Ramadan. Nevertheless, officers managed to contain the group of mainly young male rioters, uh, a little bit different apparently than last year when all hell broke loose in Jerusalem during clashes there, out just outside the old city. Again, police arrested four Arabs Saturday night on a tense first night of Ramadan. In a message addressed to the Arabs as Ramadan began, Defense Minister Benny Gantz said that any easing of restrictions during the Muslim Holy Month would depend on the security situation. So how the Muslims are able to celebrate Ramadan here in Israel will depend on whether they, not, or according to at least the defense minister, whether or not they decide they want to go down a path of terror and violence or they want to observe the holiday in peace and tranquility as it was meant to be. So it remains to be seen what will happen there and remains to be seen how the defense minister will, in fact, respond to the current situation Will he be strong in the face of terror and terror warnings? That is the bottom line. That is the question. Will he be strong or will he show weakness? Will he capitulate? Will he give in? Will he ease restrictions? Or will he remain strong, stay strong if that is necessary? The Jewish press reported here the same subject matter. The head of the police operations division, Deputy Superintendent Elad Klein, told Reshed Bet Radio this morning that it is likely that a lockdown on Judean Samaria would have made police work easier in stopping terror attacks, but the decision must be made by the political echelon. So apparently there is not a lockdown right now. Oftentimes before the holidays, Arabs who live under the Palestinian Authority who have working permits in pre-1967 Israel are not permitted to do so because of the potential security threat. And from what I'm reading here, it looks like at this junction, there is no lockdown, even though you have a top police officer here, deputy superintendent saying that it would be a lot easier to fight terror if in fact there was a, a lockdown. Nevertheless, he said, again, his name is Elad Klein, our job as police is to prepare for a situation with no lockdowns and provide a response. He added that the police have deployed, as I said before, thousands of officers in the field, many of them in Jerusalem. 
and police cooperation with the Shin Bet and the IDF is very tight. We are facing a very challenging period ahead, and all the options are open, he added. Now, a lot of people are focusing on what is known as the seam zone here, the area located right alongside the separation barrier, the fence between, which was built back after, uh, well, in the midst of the so-called Oslo War, the Second Intifada, to try to keep the suicide bombers out of Israel, Israeli population centers. And again, we could have a whole show just talking about the significance of the security barrier, whether that was a major deterrent preventing suicide bombers, the bombings from from continuing, or, as I believe I've said before, the fact that Ariel Sharon launching Operation Defensive Shield essentially allowed the IDF, as they are till this day, allowed the IDF to operate within uh, what is known as Area A within the Palestinian Authority, which is completely under their control. But from the images we've seen, perhaps we'll need to launch another Operation Defensive Shield in order to weed out the terrorists from, once again, from places like Janine and Shrem and all the other major towns in the PA and villages surrounding those towns where the current, some of the current shooters have emerged from in order to carry out these attacks. And again, images you see on TV and whatnot talking about the separation fence and the fact that there are many holes in the fence. A lot of people are blaming those holes in the fence as the reason why some of these terrorists are able to sneak into Israel proper. But let's not forget, though, at the same time, the attack in Khadera and the attack in Beersheba, both of those were carried out by Arabs with Israeli citizenship. So they didn't have to sneak through any fences or whatnot. They used the freedom freedoms provided by the state of Israel and the health care and education and everything else provided and carried out these attacks. In the, in the attack down in Beersheba, of course, this was by carried out by a Bedouin who had been radicalized. And it's honestly not surprising if you're aware of the situation in southern Israel. A lot of the southern Bedouin towns are under the influence of the northern branch of the Islamic movement, a militant division of the Islamic movement committed towards Israel's destruction. And they've been for so long now, if you, if you follow a group like Regavim, they've been documenting the fact that these Bedouin down in the south are not joining the IDF like they used to. And they're becoming radicalized under an education system, under the education and after-school programming, which is being provided by the northern branch of the Islamic movement. They've been radicalized, and that is why you had that attack in Beersheba, where a terrorist who looked like, again, we don't know for sure. No one has said 100% if these are members of ISIS. Okay, That could be trying to downplay the fact that they're being inspired perhaps not by ISIS, but as I just said, by the northern branch of the Islamic movement, Israeli Arabs, Arabs with Israeli citizenship. Maybe that's the influence. Okay, who knows? We don't know for, We don't know in this specific case for sure, but again, uh, I, it bothers me when people automatically are saying that this guy was an agent of ISIS, he was an ISIS, you know, maybe he was inspired by them, but you cannot ignore, the bottom line, you cannot ignore the hate being spewed by segments of the Israeli Arab society. That's just the way it is. And go go check out documentation 
Go to Regavim's website. I think it's regavim.org, if I'm not mistaken. Look that up and see what they have to say about that specific attack. So I got a little sidetracked there, but the point is we are being attacked both from Arabs under the Palestinian Authority control and at the same time in two major attacks, Khadera and Beersheba, by Arabs with Israeli citizenship, taking advantage of the fact that Israel has given them equal rights. We're going to stick to terrorism here. The Jerusalem Post reported just a few hours ago that the Salem Military Court on Sunday today sentenced Mohammed Maro Kabaha to life in prison uh, for the murder of Esther Horgan, may God avenge her blood, on December 20th, 2020. If you recall, Esther Horgan was uh, jogging through a forest in northern Samaria near her community when this monster, Kabaha, murdered her in cold blood. He was caught and convicted, and now the court has sentenced her, sentenced him, rather, the terrorist, to life in prison. The chief prosecutor, Maurice, was the, was the lawyer in this case, and of course, Maurice Hirsch has been on this show plenty of times, so... You know, it's not going to bring back Esther Horgan, certainly, but we definitely have to give much praise to Maurice Hirsch for the work he did to making sure that this evil, evil individual will be serving. Please, God, that there is no prisoner exchange or who knows what, that this guy will be serving life in prison for murdering this Israeli woman in cold blood. So we spent the first 18 minutes or so of this show talking about terrorism in Israel, because that unfortunately is our reality, we're going to move on to other topics as well here. In this case, building in Judea and Samaria is also in the news. Times of Israel reported today that Justice Minister Gideon Saar vowed that the government would continue construction in Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria amid outrage from leaders of the communities of Judea and Samaria, specifically the Esha Council, over the defense ministry's failure to convene the panel responsible for authorizing such building in the past five months. So in order for, just to explain, in order for building permits to be issued, you have a special civil administration's higher planning committee. They have to meet and approve construction, and they haven't met in five months. Nevertheless, Gideon Saar, Justice, Justice Minister Gideon Saar, he says that there is no building freeze, and we will Israel will continue to build in communities in Judea and Samaria. Now, in all fairness, Times of Israel points out here that despite this five-month gap between a higher, a higher planning subcommittee meeting, this is not uncommon. And according to this article, there were longer gaps even when Prime Minister Netanyahu was in charge, when Donald Trump was in the White House. So they are saying that this is not a unique occurrence. That the subcommittee on building is not meeting. Gideon Sar says that we will be building in Judea and Samaria. Sar also rejected Secretary of State of the U.S. Anthony Blinken's use of the phrase settler violence. He used that phrase last week, I believe, here in Beersheba. That's where his focus is. Settler violence, the rare occurrence which is condemned by many, as opposed to being focused on Arab terrorism, Gideon Sar said that so-called settlers, I don't use that word, are patriotic law-abiding citizens who are among the foremost victims of Arab violence. 
And so, according to Gidon Sar, the building will continue. After all that, however, Ynet reported on Sunday that as a result of this subcommittee not meeting, there are 4,000 housing units which are uh, slated to be approved, but have not been approved by Defense Minister Benny Gantz and that subcommittee which we mentioned before. So in this specific case, where the focus is on 4,000 units, Yesha Council Chairman David Al-Khayani said there was growing a growing need for housing with a half a million residents who live in Judea and Samaria want to continue living here. More young families from all over the country moving here. And he said that Judea and Samaria is no different from Tel Aviv and Beersheba. The Yesha Council now launching a campaign. I just started just now started seeing signs today about this issue. And the question is, what is it? Is there a building freeze? Is Gideon Sar correct saying there is no building freeze? What is the case? And really only time will tell. Will that subcommittee meet? Will these 4,000 units be approved? Will we continue to build in Judea and Samaria? What is the future of Judea and Samaria? What's the plan, folks? Sovereignty? Is that a word we can even use right now in this day and age? I mean, that's something that hasn't been discussed in a, in a while now. Of course, after the Abraham Accords and, and everything else going on, I mean, have we dropped that? Is that not on uh, the list, uh, a list of, of importance here? Applying sovereignty to, to Judea and Samaria. We can't get, even get, can't get, uh, get these 4,000 units built, so we will see what in fact happens. Turning to the situation in the Ukraine, the Russian invasion of the Ukraine and the fighting going on there. Israel, of course, establishing a field hospital in the Ukraine, and, and according to the Jerusalem Post, the Sheba Medical Center team working in Israel's Ukraine field hospital has completed the hospital's first cesarean delivery. Kochav Meir, that is the name of the field hospital, Shining Star, named after former Israeli Prime Minister Golda Meir. They announced a C-section was carried out Thursday afternoon by the medical team in cooperation with the local hospital staff in the Ukraine there. Over 60 members of Sheba's medical staff are working in the hospital, operating even under the threat of the Russian missiles at the request of Kiev itself which asked that the hospital be, hospital be constructed as part of Israel's humanitarian efforts to help the Ukraine. So there you have Israel setting up a field hospital, providing humanitarian aid for the Ukraine. I know that's not good enough for a lot of people out there saying, accusing Israel of not doing enough. But here you have the first C-section delivery carried out by Israeli doctors in the Ukraine on the ground there. But a lot of people want to somehow bring Israel into the story of the Ukraine. Like with 190 countries in the world, somehow Israel is more responsible for everything going on there. Israel's being held in a lot of camps to a higher or a, di or a different standard than the rest of the world when it comes to the Ukraine. And again, is this because Prime Minister Naftali Bennett decided that Israel was going to try to get involved in mediation efforts? Is it just because the world is perhaps obsessed with the Jewish state of Israel, and they're, they're adding this to the list, watching every move that Israel makes, whether it was pro-Ukraine enough, whether it wasn't a harsh enough condemnation of Russia, what Israel did, and a lot of people going into this without even taking Israel's security accounts into consideration, especially, especially since Russia is operating in Syria, and Israel has coordinated 
its attacks, of so so called attacks, so to speak. I mean, it's not been they've not been confirmed, but with Israel's ability to take out Hezbollah and other terror cells in Syria. Okay, that's been coordinated with Russia, and I understand that people are infuriated by Israel's what they call Israel's weak position fully supporting the Ukraine not even paying attention to the fact that you that the Ukraine has voted against Israel time after time after time people are saying we should ignore that as well I'm talking about at the UN people are saying we should ignore that as well throw our support 100% behind the Ukraine and a lot of people ignoring the fact that Israel has actually done things like this like set up a field hospital and as I shared with you two weeks ago, I went to the Romanian-Moldovan border to see United Hatzalah saving lives, this Israeli organization traveling over a thousand miles into northern Romania to save lives of those people fleeing the Ukraine. So that's, that's the situation there. Israel's ambassador to the Ukraine actually reported by Times of Israel, Times of Israel here condemned the apparent massacre of civilians in the Kiev suburb of Bucha. He said he was deeply shocked by the photos. A killing of civilians is a war crime. It cannot be justified. This uh, in a tweet by Michael Brodsky, again, Israel's ambassador to the Ukraine. The statement came amid reports of dozens of dead bodies, all in civilian clothing, left on the streets of the Ukrainian town after Russian troops retreated. The mayor of the town said that 280 other bodies had been buried in a mass grave, or in mass graves, rather. So that's what's going on. That's the latest there with Russian troops either repositioning or pulling back, or who knows what the end game is there. But this brutal and horrible butchering of civilians condemned by Israel's ambassador to the Ukraine. Our weekly anti-Semitism report comes courtesy of the New York Daily News. And I hope you understand I'm not excited in any way, shape, or form for the weekly anti-Semitism. And again, this is a focus on anti-Semitic attacks outside of Israel because I, of course, believe that the terror attacks here are also and should be considered anti-Semitism because Jews are being murdered because they are Jews. But here you have from the New York Daily News, a group of teens jumped a Jewish man in an unprovoked Brooklyn beatdown caught on video, police said on Saturday. The hate-fueled attack comes as hate crimes against Jews quadrupled. In the five boroughs over the last year, the NYPD confirmed. In this case, a 21-year-old Hasidic man was walking down the street in South Williamsburg on Friday night on Shabbat when the teens jumped him. Surveillance video recovered at the scene showed the teens throwing their victim against a park, parked truck as they punch and kick him to the ground. And then the teens ran off. The victim sustained minor injuries to his mouth, treated at the scene. NYPD hate crimes is investigating the assault. That is our weekly anti-Semitism report. And unfortunately, we're, we're able to find something in the news each and every week here on Israel Uncensored to share with you because anti-Semitism is running wild in different countries around the world. Let's finish off on a positive note here. Israel National News reported that doctors at Sharet Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem have restored the ear of a man who lost half of his ear in a work accident by combining artificial cartilage and transferring tissue from his body with innovative technology. So you have this guy here, a 55-year-old man, who arrived at the emergency department with half an ear. 
He was in a carpentry shop accident. Something fell on him. The upper half of his ear was taken off. Emergency physicians at Shariasetic Medical Center using innovative technology and performing this surgery, plastic surgery, and putting this man's ear back together using these special materials, uh, a lot of medical stuff, which I don't, of course, understand, but cartilage replacement made of something called alloplastic, an alloplastic material, and just another example of Israeli medical innovation. And I would assume that Israel and the plastic doctors here are going to share this, the success of this procedure with doctors all over the world. And those Israel haters out there, you BDS haters, do not, if you happen to be in a carpentry accident, make sure they don't use, because I bet you they're going to export this technology. Do not use this Israeli technology. Do not allow the doctors to sew your ear back on using anything involving Israeli innovation and technology, because then you would be a hypocrite. So I guess, I guess we just combined two different uh, stories here. One, the positive story of the week, this man's ear was saved, and also our weekly BDS hypocrisy BDS fail segment of the show in which I discourage the haters out there from using any Israeli innovation or technologies because I wouldn't want anybody out there to be a hip, to be a hypocrite. Don't support the utilization of these technologies, whether they're medical or agricultural or whatever they are, biotech, this whole slew of goodness that Israel's bringing and sharing to the world. Don't take advantage of that because if you're a hater, stick to your guns. And with that, folks, I wish everybody a quiet week, especially here in Israel and in other places around the globe. My name is Josh Haston. This has been another edition of Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Coming to you for my Monday show here on Sunday, the 3rd of April, 2022, the 2nd of Nisan 5782, the holiday Passover, less than two weeks away. A lot of excitement in the air, despite the craziness in Israel with the terror alerts. You can feel Passover. It is officially spring. I would even call it summer. Okay, I think we just skipped spring once again. I think every year we skip spring and move into summer with very warm temperatures. We're already going to hit 90 degrees coming up here, I think, on Tuesday and Wednesday or above 90. But that's the situation. Hope your Passover, for those who are celebrating your Passover plans, and your cleaning and everything else are going smoothly. And again, most importantly, be safe. Get in touch with me during the week, Josh at thelandofisrael.com on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or email me. Again, Josh at thelandofisrael.com. Hope you're well. Hope you're safe. Coming to you this week from Gush Etzion, Israel, Judea. Jews are from Judea, folks. It's that simple. Just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Have a great week, everybody. Join the Jewish story with Rav Mike Foyer for an exclusive interview with former United States Ambassador to Israel, David Friedman. Hear what Ambassador Friedman thinks about terrorism, Donald Trump, and the Abraham Accords. I don't think I've ever told this story before. The end of 2011, I went to see a rabbi. He was visiting from Jerusalem. He had a reputation of being a Makubal. The question I wanted to ask him was, I'm living here now on Long Island. Life is good here, business is good, but I really think that I belong in Israel. What do you think? And he said, go in five years. And I said to him, 
yeah, but in five years, you know, I'll be 58. Should I really give up the five years? He says, stay in America, keep doing your work, and I guarantee you in five years, you'll have a lot of things to do in Israel. That's the Jewish story on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.